Well, good morning. Welcome to the um, 11 o'clock service, which was formerly 12 o'clock as of last week. Is anybody hungry right now? Already hungry because of the time change? Yeah. Are you, is anybody hungry just because you're Baptist? Yeah, just because you're Baptist is probably it. Yeah. Okay. Well, good. Good. The time change uh, happens, and I feel more refreshed today. You're supposed to be out of town, but I'm glad you're back. Yeah, glad you're back. Sorry, I try to keep up with people. Yeah, so good to see you. Sorry about that. That was really abrupt and probably embarrassed people, but nonetheless, okay. I was glad to see that guy. All right, nonetheless, uh, yeah, forgot where I was going with all that. Yeah, extra hour of sleep. Yeah, I, I enjoy my extra hour of sleep. How many of you, like, pre-plan this whole event? For instance, I get up on Saturday, and I just go ahead and change the clocks. Anybody? Nobody? Just me. Just me. I'm the only one. You do that. You went ahead and changed the clocks in the house. In the one, yeah. Because you have to think in your mind that it's, yeah, absolutely. So, Nicole, uh, last night I changed, the, I changed the clocks early in the morning. She recognizes it later in the evening. She said, man, it really doesn't feel like it's, you know. Okay, I thought it was funny. All right, so, so uh, yeah. So we're in a series called Eight Maids of Milking, and it's basically the B attitudes in Matthew chapter 5. So if you'll turn to Matthew chapter 5, we will um, go there. Uh, because I, I don't spell correctly, and if you remember last week, I didn't spell Matthew correctly, some of my friends made some phonetic spellings for me. Uh, Matt, Matthew 5, Matthew 5, or Matthew 5. So phonetically, there you go, if you're, if you're doing all that. Hilarious. <clears throat> so Matthew chapter 5, we're going to read them all. Today we're going to cover the last two. Um, so here we go. <clears throat> Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be satisfied. Blessed are the merciful, for they shall receive mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called sons of God. Blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness' sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are you when others revile you and persecute you and utter all kinds of evil against you falsely on my account. Rejoice and be glad, for your reward is great in heaven, for so they persecuted the prophets who were before you. Now, just to kind of remind, remind you of what we talked about last week, and if you're new, this might be new for you, blessed does not mean happy. So turn to your neighbor and say, blessed does not mean happy. Okay? It is not happy, you're persecuted, and you're just happy about it. You're just, I'm persecuted. It's awesome. This is the greatest thing ever. You know, yeah, you're not happy while you're being persecuted. You are fortunate when you're being persecuted. So it, it's a fortunate thing. And there's reasons why you're fortunate. You're fortunate because you are given something by God. And just because you're persecuted doesn't mean that your position with him has changed at all. 
So you're fortunate. It's not happy. It's, it's fortunate. You are blessed. You are blessed. Um, it is also not you do this and you get this. If it was you do this and you get this, there would be multiple ways that you could get to heaven. For instance, in this passage, it says, if you're persecuted, you will receive the kingdom of God. Well, well, it doesn't say will, does it? Instead, it says, for theirs is the kingdom of God. It doesn't say you will receive it. So you, it's not be persecuted and you enter into the kingdom of God. That is not how you get into God's kingdom. The only way you get into God's kingdom is if you ask the Lord Jesus Christ to be your savior, ask forgiveness of your sins, ask him to be your savior, and then you become a child of God. You gain entrance into the kingdom. That's the only way you can get in there. You don't pursue persecution to get in there. It's not an alternate way. You don't pursue poor in spirit, which is the first one, to get into the kingdom. You don't pursue these things. It is just situations in your life that happens to you and you are blessed and you need to remember something about your position in Christ. And here, it is when you're persecuted, remember that yours is the kingdom of heaven. You still have that. They might be taking your house. They might be taking your property. They might be taking your integrity, like not your integrity, but your reputation in the community. They might be taking all of that, but you still have the kingdom of God and you are fortunate. You will never lose that. Your enemies that are persecuting you cannot take that away from you. And that is a reason that you and I are fortunate. We're very fortunate, very fortunate. So it's not... Multiple ways of salvation. So you have to be careful how you read through this. Um, there's nobody in here that if their neighbor, who's a Christian, the government came in and took them and dragged them out of the house, would run out of their house and say, hey, me too. No, you wouldn't do that. <laughs> right? Right? Yeah, we don't seek after persecution. Now, I would stay in my house and try to figure out how to how to live in that environment. And then if they came and got me, they came and got me. That, that's it. But I'm not going to run after somebody and say, hey, you missed one. <laughs> me, you missed me. Not going to do that. Not at all. So, so persecution is not something you go after. It's something that happens to you. And all of these is actually situations that are caused by uh, the way you're living or, or something comes upon you. So how many of you have ever heard the, the term stick in the mud? Stick in the mud? Yeah, stick in the mud. How many of you are sitting beside that person right now? <laughs> gotcha. Okay, yeah. Yeah, so the definition of stick, that's, that's great. That's awesome. Um, the definition of stick in the mud is this, and this is from the dictionary. A person who is dull and unadventurous and who resists change. That is a stick in the mud, <clears throat> Okay. This morning, however, I'm going to give that a new definition, a different definition. And it's going to be the one that I'll be using the whole time. So it's not this one. It is this one. Someone who no matter what you do, they are going to attack you and complain about you. Is a stick in the mud. Okay? So that's how we're going to use that this morning. Uh, no matter what you do, they're going to attack you and complain about you. Yeah. Don't raise your hand. I, I, how many... <laughs> Don't raise your hands. That's the person you're sitting beside of. It's probably not a good idea at this point. But 
yeah, yeah, there are people that just have a lot of emotional time on their hands. And they will list and make a list of grievances against you. Like, and it's like more than one. Like, it's a list. Like, it's 10, 20, 30, 40 things that you've done wrong. And what they've chosen to do is they've chosen to write the list because they're upset with you. And then they want to meet with you about that list. It may be somebody you're married to. Right? But I'm not talking about that because that's a marriage situation. That's not necessarily persecution. What I'm talking about is the people who make the list and then they just want to meet with you and they just want to dump the list on you. So you, you have the, I've had this happen to me. Maybe you haven't. Maybe I'm the only one, but you had this happen to you where people, for some reason, they, they say, can we meet with you? Yes, you can meet with me and then meet in the office. And then all of a sudden there's this list of things And the purpose isn't to work out the list. The purpose is to just dump it on you and then leave you with it. Like there's no, there's no like working through this list at all. And in fact, if you get over two things that you need to talk to somebody about, you have made a list of grievances that you just can't get any resolution to. Everybody tracking? Right. You, just, you just can't do it. So you, you sit and you go through this list. So I have a, I have a rule now, it, a rule as of 20 years ago. Someone meets with me, they get two, only two. And if it's an email with a long list, I don't even read it. Because you know they're mad at you when they put everything in all caps. <laughs> right? At the very beginning, it's all caps, right? You know they're upset with you. Now, if you're visiting with us this morning, there's nothing going on here. There's nobody sending me a list of grievances. This isn't happening. Don't worry about it. I'm just preaching this particular sermon. But I've had it happen to me where you sit down with people and, and, and man, it's just a list of grievances. These are people who are sticks in the mud. They're upset with you for some reason. It might just be because you are who you are. It might be because you are, have a stand for Christ. It might be that they think you're living better than them, that you don't have that concept going the other way. They, they just have this like edge with you. So they do this list of grievances. It's not that they want to work them out. It's just they want to dump them on you so that you kind of feel the same way they do. Because at the end of the day, it takes someone who has really a deeper problem to create a list of grievances and then spew it out to somebody. That individual has hurt inside of them that really they need to deal with so they quit hurting other people. If you're a person in the room that always has a list of grievances and you're upset at somebody and you've listed 20 things that you're upset with them about, what I want to encourage you to do right now is I want you to start thinking not in terms of that list, but in terms of what made you make that list against them. It's very serious. In Scripture, there is only one being that makes a list of grievances against people, and that is Satan. It is not God. And so once you start working from that, you're like, why do I just feel the need to tell this person all the stuff that is wrong with them 
why do I feel this need to do that? And in answering that question, you'll get to the root of why you're so upset in the first place and why you're hurting in the first place. And that is really what you need to deal with. Does that make sense? And this happens a lot. It happens a lot. So, so sticks in the mud, list of grievances, they're always going to be complaining about you. And we need to, to, to watch out for those particular people. So in verse 11, it says, blessed are you when others revile you and persecute you and utter all kinds of evil against you falsely on my account. Keyword falsely. It's all types of evil against you and it's all false. We see this happen in politics all the time. We see this happen on the news all the time. Something happens and it's spun in such a way that there's just a list. Well, you know, they did this back then. They dig up something from, from 1973 and, and they bring it all the way back out here. I mean, it's just list and list and list. They've done this, they've done this, they've done this. And so it says here, you are blessed. When we are persecuted in that way, we are actually blessed. So let's describe what persecution is, okay? What is persecution? So I'm gonna tell you a couple of things that it's not. Let's say that you're an individual and you're at work, or let's just say you know of this individual. Let's do it that way. You know of this individual at work that always has a bad attitude, always complaining about the company, always late to work, and there's certain things that they do. And then the company comes through and says, you know, you're going to lose your job. Or they start telling that individual that they need to straighten up or that individual loses their job. And the individual, instead of saying, yeah, I have really been a jerk at this job and I really need to change, instead of doing that, they make themselves the victim of the company. The company is against me. The company has always been against me. They've always talked against me. I've never been able to make friends here. I've always had tension in all my relationships here at this company. And and the company is just against me. Well, what that person needs to consider is maybe it's their fault and not the company's. And so people often just want to be the victim. And in our culture today, there are a lot of people that just desire to be the victim because for some reason, in a twisted way, they think that makes them a better person if they are the victim. Right? And so if you are making yourself the victim, you are not being persecuted. You have made up that story on your own. Okay, so that's not persecution. Uh, This goes into play in churches. Like, uh, I'll be talking to somebody and and they'll say something like, well, well, the church just hasn't been good to me. Okay, so what has happened? And they'll explain their story. And if you investigate that story, because I am able to do that, you investigate that story, what you realize is something happened over here in a church discipline sort of sense, and they're now upset because that happened, and the church has hurt them, and so they make the church the one that has hurt them, and they make themselves a victim of the church. This happens. This happens. When in reality, they're the ones that did it. And let me just put this out there, here. The church has never hurt anybody. 
It's people in the church that have hurt you. The church that Jesus died for on the cross that he has made a big family out of so that we can gather right here has never hurt you. That is not the purpose of the church. The purpose of the church is to do good in the world and get the gospel out. And that's what the church does. If you've been hurt, don't blame it on the church. Let's get down to the people that actually hurt you and let's deal with that so that you can work through that and get some healing through that. Does that make sense? An organization cannot hurt you. Listen, Walmart, if you, Walmart has hurt me. Well, Walmart as an organization can't hurt me. Okay, shake your, do you understand what it, they, they can't hurt me. I might think it's funny, like the other day I was in there and, um, and they had Reese's peanut butter trees, which I can't eat anymore because of my stomach. It's just, it's hard for me. Anyway, Reese's peanut butter cups, they had, um, they're $1.50 each, or you could buy three for $6. Love to give you more money. <laughs> That's one idea. But no, like, I mean, an organization can't hurt you, so we have to get past it. So you're not being persecuted if you do that. Second, If you have done something wrong and you are reaping the consequences for those choices, you are not being persecuted. So there are people that do things wrong that think that forgiveness is wiping away all consequences. And that is not the case. If someone cheats on their spouse, there are consequences that come as a result of that. There's a lack of trust. There are other issues that surround that, that whole thing. And you can be forgiven for that sin, but the consequence of that choice will still live on on this side of eternity. Does this make sense? If someone murders someone and they come to know the Lord Jesus Christ as their Savior, and I'm all for that, and they get forgiveness for that sin, they still have to go to jail. It's a consequence of that choice. And so you're not being persecuted. Like that guy that killed somebody is not being persecuted because the judge is sending him to jail and he's not being persecuted by the jail. He's not being persecuted. He is having to deal with the consequences of his choices all the way through. So you're not being persecuted if those things happen. In this particular passage of scripture, you are being persecuted because of righteousness. You're being persecuted because of your loyalty to Jesus. If you read this, it says, blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness' sake. That means you're living for Jesus. You're following him. Because all our righteousness is his righteousness. It's not our own. That's the gospel. Theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are you when others revile you and persecute you and utter all kinds of evil against you falsely on my account. Rejoice and be glad for your reward is great in heaven. So they persecuted the prophets who were before you. So your persecution right, is, is because you are standing for Jesus. And we live in a day where if you stand for what is right, you have the great potential of being persecuted for it. And it's not just in our culture, like people getting upset in the culture. Sometimes you get persecuted within the church because you have stood for what is right. I think, I think in terms of um, the Methodist church, 
I personally am grateful for the Methodist church right across the street that came out of the United Methodist Church because they just could not live with the direction it was going in. And they wanted to get back to a more biblical, um, a biblical church. They wanted their church to be biblical. I like that. Right? Now, I know, I know what the United Methodist Church is saying about churches like that, but they're backwards, they're old-fashioned, it's just a bunch of people that just don't want to change. I've, I've actually read articles that people are writing over here. But we're not supposed to change. And this has been, it's something, this is something that is relative now as it was 1,000 years ago, as it was 2,000 years ago. It's the only book like it. And I would rather go by the, mor- the morality that the Bible teaches and live like that than to change with the winds of change in society and culture. It is more stable to do it this way than to do it their way. And when you don't do it their way, you get called all kinds of stuff immediately. And it's just a list of names that are totally false about you because you really love people You are just going to follow Jesus. So following Jesus comes with a cost. And sometimes that cost is some of our friends. And sometimes that cost is, is, you know, tension at work. Sometimes that is. But we stand for Jesus. And when we're persecuted and when we're feeling down and when we're wondering, man, am I really supposed to be doing this? Jesus is reminding us here that you are fortunate you have a kingdom. Keep doing what you're doing. Do not give in to the sticks in the mud. Because at the end of the day, all those sticks have is the mud that you have been saved from. Right? That's all they have. That's all they have. So how do you navigate through being persecuted. How do you do that? Okay? A couple of things. First, don't live around the mud. (laughs) Do your best not to live around the mud. And here's how you do that. When you're attacked, don't attack back. Just don't attack back. You can defend yourself in an attack, but you don't attack back. You don't get attacked attacked and then try to figure out everything that they're doing wrong so that you can attack them on a different subject. That's not what you do. When you're persecuted, you defend yourself, you defend your family, and you move forward following Christ through the whole process. You don't stay around the mud. In other words, you don't, the stick is here in the mud, you don't go like this. And then right? And every time you go after somebody, you start listing everything that they've done wrong, you have become a stick in the mud yourself. So you stay away from the mud. Jesus says, you don't have to do that because you're already fortunate. You're out of the mud. I saved you out of the mud and you have a kingdom. You don't need anything else, really. You don't. So don't hang around the mud. Second, The mud is the only thing that they have. You have to think 
The mud is the only thing they have. That's all they have. And they can only sling it for a limited time. Because Jesus is coming back and you have a kingdom and you're a part of that kingdom. So let them sling it. My dad has a saying. He says, he who slings mud loses ground. It's pretty brilliant, actually. So let them sling it. That's all they have. That's all the life that they have. And unless they receive the Lord Jesus Christ as their Savior, they will not be saved out of the mud. Just let them sling it. Let it hit you. Wipe it off with the water. Get clean and move on. Don't hang around the mud and think the mud, man, the mud is the only thing that they have. You know, that makes me pity them. But that's all they got. I mean, it hurts. I mean, they can take things. I mean, it, it, there's all that comes, but that's all they have. And the time on the mud is running out. It really is. Yep. Here's the next one. It's found in verse 11. Blessed are you when others revile you and persecute you and utter all kinds of evil against you falsely on my account. Here it is. Rejoice <laughs> and be glad. So you know I've, I've started these things with this whole, don't be, you know, happy, I'm persecuting, you know, all that kind of stuff. But Jesus is saying, jump for joy when you're persecuted. That's what he's saying. He's not saying, I don't think he's saying jump for joy while they're beating you, while they're talking to you. But once you get to a certain point, you're like, yeah, come on, right? And there's some joyous type stuff going on about it. Because you, you, he says, rejoice. Rejoice in it and be glad. It literally jump for joy. So why would I jump for joy when I'm being persecuted? Why would I do that? Why would it bring me joy? By the way, just to let you know, there's a difference between happiness and joy. Scripture, don't have time to dig into that. There's a total difference between the two. So you jump for joy. You rejoice that you are being persecuted. So why? Well, first, rejoice and be glad for your reward is great in heaven. You and I have an imperishable reward that's coming to us that they cannot take away. They can take my house. They can freeze my bank account. They can take me to jail. They can take everything that I have, but the one thing that they cannot take is my imperishable reward that I have in heaven. Can't take it. In the words of Ensign Hammer, can't touch this. Right? Because when jumping comes to my mind, it's him in those pants. Right? Right? Can't, can't touch this. Yeah. Can't have this, right? You just can't have it. And if you can just, when you're persecuted and you're feeling it, if you can just picture that, it will bring you a sense of laughter, which hopefully would lead to joy, right? They can't touch your reward and they cannot take you out of the kingdom. They do not have the power to do that. They can't do that. Next, you jump for joy. Because even though they don't like you and they think you're the scum of the earth, your reputation in heaven is high and exalted. Your reputation before God the Father is 
that is my child. He is a citizen of my kingdom, and I love him. Isn't that great? So let them have it. Let them be upset at you. My heavenly father is not upset with me. He loves me too much. So you rejoice in that. By the way, if you had to pick between God loving you and the sticks in the mud loving you, which one would you pick? God, every day of the week. Because here's the next thing. Never seek the sticks approval. Never do that. A lot of people fall into that trap. They have this list of grievances. They really, really want them to like me. I really want them to accept me. I really want them to have a different view of me. I really don't like the fact that they have this view of me. Don't try to go after their approval. Listen, I've lived this before. My first church, I've told this story before a little bit. My first church was in Kentucky, and there was a deacon that was a stick in the mud in the church. I was the fourth pastor in five years in that, in that environment. Fourth pastor, five years. Church was five years old. I had tenure in seven months. Tenure, yeah. And so what would happen is I would preach on Sunday morning, and the next week at the beginning of Sunday school, the deacon would list everything that I said wrong during the sermon, and then he would go into his lesson. I lived that for four years. I tried my best to get his approval. I tried my best to, to turn him around. But you can never win the approval of a stick in the mud. The only way that that changes is if they are saved by the grace of God. It's the only way. So quit trying to get their approval. A lot of Christians know what is right in the Bible, but they don't want their friends to know that's what they believe, so they adjust themselves to this environment in order to live in this environment so they will not be persecuted, so they will not be made fun of, so they won't be looked at as old-fashioned but modern and in the modern culture and just all that. That's, that's what they do. And so don't quit. Please quit trying to gain approval from the sticks in the mud. Look to Jesus Look to Jesus to have his approval on your life. That's what you do. It's not that he doesn't love you, but live for him. Be loyal to him. Be loyal to Jesus. Yeah. This text says that if you're, if you're persecuted, if people are talking against you, if they don't really like you, uh, verse 6 says, rejoice in the Lord and be glad for your reward is great in heaven. For so they persecuted the prophets who were before you. You are in good company. If you're being persecuted and people talking about you and they're making a laundry list, well, they did that to the prophets in the Old Testament and now you have something in common with them. Me and Elijah. Me and Mo. We're on a two-letter basis there. Right? Yeah. Yeah. Me and John the Baptist, man. We're good. We're good. Right? I'm in a family that understands. But not only that, God looks at me when I'm persecuted and remain faithful to him as having the same faith that they had when they were persecuted. 
And that's something to rejoice in. I'm with a group of people that are larger than the people that are assaulting me. In other words, our army is bigger. It's bigger. It's bigger and more powerful. And in the end, we are the ones who win. And then finally, well, not really finally, because I'm Baptist, so I'm going to keep going, going. Um, <clears throat> when you are not seen as a hero here on earth, you are rewarded as a faithful child of God on the other side. And I would rather be a faithful child of God than a hero here on earth any day of the week. That's what I would rather be. That's what I would be. And then finally, and this is finally, you stay loyal to Jesus. You stay loyal to him. So there's several different kinds of people in the room. I know that there are. I'm going to just address a couple. First group, if they are in the room, maybe today you've listened to this message and you have realized that you are the stick in the mud. You're the one that's stuck. You're the one that lists grievances. You're the one that attacks people, other Christians, and you're constantly doing that. And you just know deep in your heart, you are the one with that bad attitude. You're the one that is stuck. Here's the good news. Jesus is waiting on you today to bow your head and ask forgiveness for that and ask for him to give you freedom and the strength to change. And the moment that you do that is the moment that he will step into your life and he will help you with that. The other type of person in this room that I want to address just at the very end is maybe you are going through some form of persecution or maybe come Thanksgiving, you're gonna be in a family setting where you are going to receive some of that persecution, right? Because you believe a certain way and they are going to make fun of you. Oh, you know, we are gonna have to pray for this meal because Bob is here and he's a Christian, right? Or, or something like that. And you're going to be in that particular situation. Know this, walk in there being loyal to Jesus, not giving up on what you believe, because you are more fortunate than the people that are making fun of you. You have a kingdom. You are with good company. You have a family that you are going to be with for all of eternity. Yeah, so you walk into that situation that way. So with that said, let's pray.